You know, sometimes it's really hard to take the knowledge that we have and put it to work. Because thinking about do something is not the same as doing something, right? Sometimes people ask me, hey, do you exercise every day? And I want to say, well, does walking to my office to the kitchen to get another cup of coffee count as exercise? I mean, I do that a lot, so surely repetition counts for something. No, I feel a little guilty because the answer is, I mean, really, if I'm honest, well, no. But you know, I know I should. I mean, it's not that complex, right? I mean, my doctor said you need to take a brisk walk every single day. If you'll just go out and walk down the sidewalk and spend this amount of time, that would probably really improve your health. I know how to do it. I know what I should do. And I can think a lot about that. In fact, I can sit on my porch drinking a cup of coffee and think a whole lot about how much I need to walk down the street. But that, unfortunately, is not the same thing as doing it, is it? Sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard to get ourselves to do what we know we should do. Yeah, we can think about it. We can learn about it. We can get all the facts. But actually doing something with that is much more difficult. That can even be true, as most of us know, in our spiritual lives. Because there are times when we know, man, there's stuff I should be doing with my faith. I know this should be a bigger part of my life. I should should take what we talk about on a Sunday morning and do something, and yet we don't. And there's lots of reasons for that. Lots of reasons that we sort of don't get there. We, We know this stuff, but we don't actually do it. And one of them is just what's on the screen right now. Sometimes we feel like faith is for Sunday mornings, right? It's pretty easy to walk in this room on a Sunday morning and be a Christian, be a person of faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, it makes the most sense in this room. But when we we go out in the world, it's a little harder because people in the world don't necessarily think like everyone does in this room. The goals, the values, the morals, all that stuff may be a little different when we go to work than when we come in this room. And we think a lot about God and our faith in Jesus Christ in this room, but then we go out and maybe even at home or at work or wherever you go during the week, it's a whole lot more difficult to really put faith into action and make it something meaningful in our lives. The other one is, the second one is, you just don't have time to think about it. Maybe you know that faith should be more active, but honestly, life is just so full already. I mean, you've got so many work responsibilities. You've got places that the kids have to be. You're running a taxi service every day, every evening. By the time you get in bed, you don't have time to think about what tomorrow is going to be. And so really sitting down and saying, okay, how can I make my faith part of my everyday life? You just really don't have time for that. At least it feels that way. Because you're just so busy, and that would be one more investment that you would need to make. One more thing that you would really need to do to make this meaningful. And honestly, maybe you don't want to pretend. It's like you don't want to just sort of play around with this because you know it really does matter. So why lie to yourself and lie to God? If you're not going to do it, don't do it. Because you just don't have time. Third thing that might keep us from really putting our faith into action is that you just don't know what to do with your faith. I mean, you've, you've come to church and you've heard people like me talk in places like this and you've heard what faith is and you've been 
prompted. Maybe you feel like you've been told what to do. Maybe you feel like you've been pushed a little bit. But when push comes to shove, honestly, you're just not sure what it would look like for you to put faith into action in a more serious, careful, intentional way. What do we do with that? I want us to think about that. Today we continue in the series that we're calling Talk is Cheap. And in some ways, where we come to today is is the heart of that very matter that we really can talk a lot about faith. We can think a lot about what it means to be a Christian. We can even read God's Word. You can hear messages like this. And still, faith is just something that we do on Sunday mornings. We do primarily in this room. And it's a nice thing. And you feel better when you leave than when you got here. It's a good thing to do. It's good for your kids. And yet, it's not part of at least not a vital part of your everyday life. James speaks to that. We're in this series that, again, we're calling Talk is Cheap because James really focuses in on that. We're studying through the book of James and hearing what James has to say. And as I've said, I want to encourage you to read that book. It is short, so it's not not hard to get through. And it is super practical. James talks about everyday kinds of things that we all face. So be reading through that book and allow it to speak into your life. And I think it will help you see how to put faith into action. But this morning we come to an important section in the book of James, and we find it in chapter 1, where James really does help us understand what it means to put our faith into action. This is how he begins that section, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. He says, but be doers of the word. It's an important phrase, we'll come back to that. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, James is an early Jewish Christian, right? We're talking about, most likely, as we've said, the brother of Jesus. He's a leader in the church in Jerusalem. So he's leading the the Christians who are primarily Jews in Jerusalem. He's writing to early Jewish Christians. So when he says, be doers of the word, that rang a bell for them. Because commonly they would say to one another in their teaching that they should be doers of the law. Very common phrase in ancient Jewish teaching. You're supposed to obey the law. And that's all the way through the Old Testament. It's very clear. They're not supposed to just come and worship God and and just make their sacrifices. In fact, God condemns that. I don't want your sacrifices if you're not obeying me. God was clear about that. And so they're to be doers of the law. All of those commands that we see in the Old Testament, they were supposed to keep those commands. But then James slides in and he says, I want you to be doers of the Word. Well, that's not the same thing, is it? Doers of the Word. Now what these early Christians were beginning to understand was Jesus, the Word, had come and fulfilled the law. Not to throw it away, but to fulfill it and bring it to to what it could be. And Jesus had commanded them some things. In fact, some of them echoed Old Testament commands, but he had brought them into a new life and, and breathed something new into them. And James is saying, follow the teachings of Jesus. Be a doer. Don't just sit back and let somebody teach you about Jesus. Take what he says and do something with it. Take the Word, Jesus the Word, and the words that Jesus gave, 
and do something. Now, there was a strong tradition of teaching among the Jews. That was very clear. Parents had a responsibility to teach their children. The synagogue was all about teaching. And so James takes this tradition of teaching, brings it over into the church, says it's not that teaching is not important, but if all you do is just sit back and you learn a lot about what Jesus says, and you've got all this knowledge, I mean, you are filled with knowledge. You know all these things. Jesus said this and this, and this is where He said it, and this part of His ministry, and that's awesome. But He says if that's all you've done, and you've never put it into action, you've deceived yourself. You've deceived yourself into thinking that knowledge is all that matters. And he calls us to be doers of the word as well. And then he uses a little analogy. Verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. He says, if you're, you're the kind of person who just hears and never does anything, you're like the person who looks in a mirror in the morning and, and you study everything and then you walk away and, and you, you don't ever think a thing about it. And, and we sometimes do that, right? I mean, we, we do that real quick and then we go on with our day. He says that's just one moment in our lives, right? It's just that one moment in time and then we move on and we spend the rest of our day. And, and that one moment has little effect on everything else we do during the day. He says so if you're just hearing then it's not affecting anything you're actually doing. That's not what God has called us to be and to do. Verse 25. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed for his doing. So, in contrast with that person who just looks in the mirror, moves on with the rest of the day, he says, if you're looking into, so he uses that same imagery, if you're looking into the law of liberty, the perfect law, now we hear law and we think law of Moses, 613 commands in the Old Testament. It's not what he says. This is the law of liberty. Again, we're back to Jesus. Jesus setting us free from all the structure of the law and free from sin and guilt. If you're following Jesus, in other words, and trying to live as Jesus called you to live, if that's your goal, then you look on that and you allow it to affect who you are. And it should work itself out in the life. He says you will persevere. Remember that in chapter 1, he's talked about persevering in the face of poverty, in the face of suffering, in the face of persecution. He says, so look into the law. Don't just look into it and walk away. Look into it. Allow it to change who you are. And then do something with it. Do something. Allow it to affect how you treat people. Allow it to affect how you do your work, how you interact with your family. Allow it to change you. And then it gets a little more specific. Verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. 
Now, in that one verse, I think James touches a nerve with 21st century American culture because he uses a word that's become, in some ways, a bad word in our culture, the word religion. Okay? Religion in, in our world now is seen as something that is probably empty. Religion is going through the motions, the trappings of religion, having a building. You know, maybe you wear certain clothes, maybe you sing certain songs, and you just go through it and you do it, and it doesn't really mean a lot. In fact, that's even true in the church. Sometimes that word religion is used in our world, in the culture, and in the church to mean just sort of going through the motions. Empty actions. There was a YouTube video a few years ago. It was called, Why I Hate Religion but love Jesus. It's gotten like half a million views, right? A lot of you have probably seen it. What James is saying is, okay, that word religion can be misused. Okay? If religion is all about structures and institutions and buildings and people with an office, if that's all religion is, yeah, it's pretty meaningless. But religion, for James, is something different. Religion is actually doing something. We're going to come back to that, but, but he sort of gives the negative first, and he says, okay, if you think you're a religious person, all right, if you think you've got something going on, if you think you're really a follower of Jesus, here's a test for you, okay? To see whether you're just a hearer or a doer, because a doer, is, is, that's the real deal. How do you talk to people? say, well, how do you talk? How's that a test of our religion? How is that a test of our, our faith in Jesus Christ? James says that's a good test. Because if you can't control the way you talk to people, and when, when you get angry, you, you lose it, you really tell people off, or if you're destructive in your language, you, you tear people down, there's a really good sign there that what's going on when you call yourself religious, when you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, something's not right. It's not real. You've missed something. Now, I don't think James is saying that's the only test, but I, I do think he's saying it's a really good test. Because if we can't get that right, if we're not working on that, improving that, not to say that we're perfect, but if that's not headed in the right direction, there's something empty within us. And maybe we've entered into what our culture sees as religion. Yeah, we show up at the right time in the right place and sit in a pew and sing the songs, stand at the right time, sit at the right time. All the motions are in order, but we are empty. James says that's not it. That's not the real thing. Here's the real thing. Verse 27. One of the great verses in this book. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Let's hang on right there. That word religion, at its heart, simply means service. Okay? How do you serve God? That's what your religion is going to show. Religion at its heart for the first century believers was not all about buildings and offices and titles and salaries and budgets and all those things. Religion was, who are you going to serve? How are you going to serve them? Okay. Are you serving God? Are you serving yourself? How are you serving God? And he says, here it is. Here's the real deal. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction 
and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's like, man, James, you pick the strangest things. Because it seems like, like the way the church talks about it, it should be that, man, you give a certain percentage, that should be the test. Or maybe you've talked to enough people about Jesus or been on enough mission trips. Or What is this about visiting orphans and widows? What does that have to do with anything? And what James is guiding us to is this. There are people around you and me who are hurting. There are people around you and me that everyone else ignores. And that was true in the ancient world for widows and orphans because widows had so little way to provide for themselves. Children were not valued like they are in our culture We value our children. They may be the most important thing to us in the ancient world. They were not, and orphans especially were sort of seen as a nuisance. Somebody you've got to give money to because nobody's taking care of them. They're just in the way. And James says, when you see those people that the culture says don't really matter, true religion, if you're really serving God, If the Spirit of God is at work in your heart, you will notice those people. And you'll do something to care for those people. And he says you'll remain undefiled by the culture. The culture in which these early Jewish Christians found themselves was pagan, was sort of amoral. Everybody could decide what they wanted to do for themselves. It was violent. It was sexually obsessed. All those things were present in the ancient world. We think some of that stuff is new. It's not. Read some history, okay? It's it's been around. And James says it'd be real easy to just let the culture define for you what is right and what is wrong, what's important and what's not important, how you should spend your money. And he says... Really, real religion, following Jesus Christ means we don't let that overtake us. We focus in on what Jesus has called us both to do and to be. That's the real thing. And so for us, what James is saying to us is healthy faith is active faith. Healthy faith is is active faith. If we want faith that is growing and developing, we've got to put it into action. And it goes back to what we said at the beginning. I mean, we're still there that, man, it's sometimes hard to take what we know and put it into action, but that is exactly what James is saying. He's saying if you want a healthy, growing relationship with Jesus Christ that makes a difference in your life, that does something, then it's got to be active faith. You've got to do something with it. Now, Part of what goes on there is we immediately say, I I still have all those barriers. You haven't helped me overcome any of that. Let me respond to that by saying this. You know, you may look in your life and say, I should be doing all this stuff. There's, There's 12 things that I should be doing with my life if I want to be a follower of Jesus, and I'm not doing any of them. I don't have the time. I don't have the ability. I can't take all that on. Okay, fair enough. 
let me ask you to do one of them. Just, just take one thing. You know, it's impossible to, to take 12 steps in one leap, at least for me, okay? I can't do that. You know, maybe you're thinking, I should be like, and I should be volunteering three nights a week at this organization. I should be doing something. There's no way I can do that with my schedule. Could you, could you spend an hour, one night a month, one morning a month, at the Taylorville Community Food Pantry, helping them shell food, distribute food? Could you spend an hour sometimes at Loving Arms Crisis Pregnancy Center and, and give them an hour a month? Could you spend an hour a month in our kids' ministry or some time in our student ministry? I think we overwhelm ourselves because we want to be out here and we're here and we're like, I'll never get there. Well, the truth is, if we never do anything, we won't get there. That's true. And it may take a long time to get where we want to be. But we can start. Just, just think for a moment. What is the one thing that you could latch on to and you could start doing this week or this month that would put your faith into action in a way that you've never done before. You may get down the road where you want to. It may take years. That's okay. But what God wants to see you do is to begin to put that faith into action so that you get a healthy faith. So that real religion, this, this serving God, not the fake religion that's all about the institution, but the reality of serving God is present in your life. What's the one thing that you could start doing that would make an impact? And, you know, think of it this way. What if we all spent even one hour a month in our community or in our church, and there's lots of things you can do. I only mentioned a couple. Think about how many people are in this room, you know? If each of us spent one hour... How much would be invested in our church, in our community, from just us? That doesn't count the other service that will be here later. That doesn't count the kids that are in another part of the room, a building, or people who are volunteering in our building this morning. If just, just this group, what kind of impact could we make in the name of Jesus Christ if we said, I'm going to do something with my faith? So let me encourage you. Most of us want a healthy faith. Take just one step and make yours an active faith so that you can get there. Let's pray together. And we are prompted by the fact that Jesus has given us so much. We are prompted by the fact that we have been given blessings beyond what we could ever ask for and certainly beyond what we could deserve. Now, because of that, we want to serve you. We want a healthy faith in you. God, guide us to that. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.